solo mission today. We're going to uh, we're going to try something new, and hopefully, you guys are uh, nice about it. <laughs> so I'm running the show solo. We got the uh, live call in number. I'm going to pop up in a minute here, and um, hopefully, if all of our new contraptions are working correctly, you guys should be able to call into the show. I'm not sure what's happening though, because I see comments, but I don't see anybody coming in. There it is, 15. Okay. All right, so we're gonna try things a little bit, uh, a little bit different this time. In a second here, I want to have one of you guys at least please test call it and don't just leave me, um, don't just leave me hanging here without a, uh, without a call in. I'll put up the number in a second. Um, new test here. Burning more b- brightly than those around you is a skill that no one is born with. You have to learn to attract attention. As surely as the lodestone attracts iron, at the start of your career, you must attach your name and reputation to a quality, an image that sets you apart from other people. This image can be something like a characteristic style of dress or a personality quirk that amuses people and gets talked about. Once the image is established, you have an appearance, a place in the sky for your star. It is a common mistake to imagine that this particular appearance of yours should not be controversial, that it to be attacked is somehow bad. Nothing could be further from the truth. To avoid being a flash in the pan and having your notoriety ellipsed by another, you must not discriminate between the different types of attention. In the end, every kind will work in your favor. Society craves larger-than-life figures, people who stand above the general mediocrity, Never be afraid then of the qualities that set you apart and draw attention to you. Court controversy, even scandal. It is better to be attacked, even slandered than ignored. All professions are ruled by this law and all professionals must have a bit of showman about them. Can you guys hear that? That's the 48 laws of power. Law number six, court attention at all costs. Right, a little crazy. Okay, so we're gonna get the. Um... Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff, 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 Jeff. Hey, just go ahead and ban Jeff. He hasn't brought anything dope in a long time. He just kind of like BS's. Can you guys not hear me? Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, turn on your mic. Extra sloppy. I heard the mic was on. Good morning. Yeah, see, Allison gets it. All right, so we're going to drop the uh, live call in line in here. And um, let's see. When do you guys want to call it to see if it works? Not banned anyone, you moron. That's what happens. As soon as uh, Sevon leaves, I just start banning people from it. All right, good morning. Extra sloppy, David, Bruce, Jessica, all the normal people, except for now I'm saying your names instead of Sevon. So I got some uh, clips from it for the show. Okay. Unknown caller. Unknown caller. We'll see if this works. Okay. Caller. What's your name and where are you calling from? The show. Okay. Unknown caller. Unknown caller. Oh, you gotta you gotta mute the YouTube in the back. Okay. Caller. What's your name? Uh, I'm calling from Holland. Yeah, you gotta you gotta turn YouTube off in the background, brother. I did. There we go. Fantastic. Calling from Holland. What's your name? Victor. Victor? 
Yeah, Victor. Okay, Victor, what's up, brother? What can I do for you this morning? Not much. I just want to give a call to check if it works. Oh, you're the man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we uh we set this up last okay. night. Sevon gave me a gave me a hand setting it up, and so you're my first official caller. You did it. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for all. What are you doing today? What time is it there right now? Let me see. It's five minutes past four. Four a.m. or four p.m. Four p.m. Yeah. P.m. Okay, right on. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Do you have any question or anything weird, or do you just want to uh, generally um, talk trash about anybody in the chat? No, no, I'm good. I'm just listening. All right, fantastic. Thank you. You've been great. See that, Tevon? I just hung up on him. That's it. You don't even have to. I just went. I just went for it. No, Heidi, I don't have a uh, dip in. I tried that one time, and it did not go well. My mouth started to water, and I felt like I was gonna. I was gonna throw up. Okay, so we're going to jam it just like we normally do. I picked out some of these uh, clips here. I hope you guys enjoy them. They're from, uh, from the brainchild of my Instagram or from the algorithm, if you will. So I'll do it similar. It was funny. Earlier, I was talking uh, last night. I was talking to Caleb, and I was like, all right, hey, we're going to give this a try. Uh, Sevon's out for the uh, weekend. So we're going to keep the show rolling. And he's like, yeah, I can't make it. <laughs> I was like, Caleb. You're killing me. So that's why I titled it in the deep end, because now we're basically just uh, we're just rolling with it. We're going straight from zero to 100 here, and I'm just going to rock the rock the show solo. So I wanted to start the show with this clip here, because anytime I see something, get it. Of course, it's it's like hard to do both at the same time now that I'm in charge of both of them. Okay, so I saw this. I can't remember. Some of these are some of these are really old too. And if you if you see them before, just pretend you didn't because it'll freak me the fuck out, and then I'll go into a spiral. So even if you even if you've seen it before, just play play along, All right? You too, Jeff. You fucking dick. So anytime I see something, especially like humans moving or traffic, or as you fly in from the uh, from the airplane, it always looks like cells moving. And I always feel like the further we zoom out from something, the more similar it looks. And the, and the closer you zoom in on something, the similar it looks. As in like cells moving across. All right. That was dumb. Good way to fucking start the show off. Also, too, do you guys do you guys have any um do you guys have any questions? You could write it in there and ask. Lots of people always have like coaching questions for me and stuff like that, but I never really, uh, I never really see them that that often on the show. Are you going to show Emily's post of the salt? I don't know what the. Okay, I got this one. <laughs> this one. Okay, this next one here. I always. Uh... <laughs> Sometimes you guys see people around, and obviously, majority of us are CrossFitters, right? So. You always see somebody, you're wondering, like, how are they able to kind of get around in life if they could barely kind of move? Like, you see them kind of move around and, like, everything just looks hard. Like, just getting from the car to inside the store or anything like that just looks like a complete, like, it just looks really tough and, and more difficult than it should be because you're just not comfortable in your own body. And uh, so I found this clip here. And sometimes that could be taken to the extreme and you need a lot of people to help you out. Okay, so to set this up, this woman here is already uh, running. You guys can see where this is going to go. She's going to jump into the uh, big foam pit there. What do you think 
is going to happen next. I'm not going to play it with any uh, music, so I don't want to get copyrighted. <laughs> okay. So she jumped in the phone pit, and there is, well, this other person. I don't even know what they're doing. She Is that a guy or a girl? Holy shit. Doesn't it look like this person's hair is painted on in the top left-hand corner? What the fuck? It definitely looks like it's Logan painted Mars. on. <laughs> Sorry my uh, phone calls you out. How are you doing? Logan, welcome to the show. Hey man, how you doing? Oh, you fucking Steve-O. See <laughs> <laughs> Steve-O, what's yeah. going on? Hey, uh, no, I was just calling coming this weekend. I need a body double. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Perfect, because we got well, we have this thing. We have a king lizard. We're gonna shove him up my ass. Mm, okay. Is this a new I don't really want to do it. It is, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, Steve, what are you up to? People say I look like you. What do you think? You agree? Obviously. Well, yeah. Well, you kind of, you kind of look like me, um, as a bleached asshole. You know, mm, like mm, mm. Uh, that's, that's vibes I kind of get. You know. Yeah, bleached asshole vibes. Definitely, you could see it in my face, right? That's where the resemblance yeah, comes in. The yeah. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't quite have the butthole eyes, but you you know it's okay. Hey, so how's uh how's life sober there? Are you still sober? Did you uh? pick back up oh i mean uh i mean i don't like to talk shop uh it's it's kind of touchy well mate uh what's uh what's your ethnicity <laughs> i'm portuguese oh okay yeah i kind of thought i could smell you from here <laughs> jesus you went from almost steve to uh we're getting marge simpson now No, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's a common thing, you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah. of years of a lot of years of cereal without milk. It kind of really screws up your throat. Yeah, definitely. Cereal without milk is not uh not recommended. No, no. Well, hey, I kind of thought you were Polish Irish, but I I didn't really know, so I thought I'd, thought I'd ask because the people at the agency are curious, but. Well, definitely might have to bleach your asshole if you were Portuguese. Yeah, that works. Uh, I'm Portuguese and I smell bad, and you definitely have to bleach the asshole and uh, and all and everything above. Sounds good. I'll get the lizard ready. Okay. You're the man, Steve. I'll see you later. Don't kill yourself. Uh, Holy smokes! All right. Yeah, I got to do that too. My um, I didn't realize that the ringer actually told everybody. Who called? I don't even know how to uh, how to fix that though. Do you guys know how to fix that? Of course, trying to do it like live on air now is going to be the best time to do it. Phone, um, no sounds. Uh, classic. There we go. Okay, we'll try that on the next caller. Hopefully, it doesn't say your name. It shouldn't say your name. Yeah, you don't know who called. It was Stevo. It was Stevo. I'm better, I'm quicker on the uh, on the off button there. Okay, so she's stuck inside this foam pit. There's somebody with a helmet, some sort of soft helmet up in the uh, left-hand corner, apparently just holding this along with this other gentleman. They don't look like they're doing anything. The kids are clearly laughing and making fun of her, which is hilarious. These kids are just like swimming dads in there. You could tell he wasn't prepared because he's still got the sunglasses on his hat. He just jumped in to rescue her. And... uh that's it. She's stuck. Ain't nothing helping her out there. 
It's a couple of guys. She just disappears into the foam pit. I don't know. Do you guys ever get into the uh, discussion about two seat, two seats on the airplane? Isn't that back in discussion now? Or is it just a popular topic? I don't know. I've heard people talking about it before that uh, if you're a certain size, you have to buy two airplane seats. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Cornholio, I don't think they, um, I don't think they pulled their arms off. I think the most likely scenario would be she would yank them back into the foam pit. I think actually would would, would be what happened there. Earlier that uh, that little that little bit I um, read there is from this book. It's called um, The Daily Laws by Robert Greene. He wrote another book called Forty Eight Laws of Power. And uh, that's just each one of them a day kind of broken down. They're not all from the 48 Laws of Power book. They're from some of his other books, Mastery, Seduction, that type of stuff. But if you guys haven't checked out uh, Robert Greene, you definitely should. And I know a few of you guys have reached out and said something about like a, um, a book list. I just don't, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Auden the other day tried to tell me that it was... Uh, it was like the the look the book of like the 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 top twenty or something like that the top twenty books. But the hard part is is that in like what category what subject like I did just random fucking yeah Bruce you're like Bruce is big on it too and he's been saying book club and I just I don't know what that means. Do you guys want like the top ten of all time top twenty of all time I don't know. So far we got two callers in. Okay, you guys have maybe seen this before, but I just thought it was hilarious. Um. If they got the uh, if they got this right, they got free time in class. And as you could tell, little man there really wanted some free time. Like, look how serious he is. <laughs> how old do you guys think they are right there? How old is that? Like nine, ten? Are they older? Maybe is that like his uh, his true reaction, or is he just mimicking something? Maybe he saw his, his parents saw or something like that. I switched the thing. You guys can call in. It's not going to say your name anymore. And by the way, that was because I had a, a last gentleman's phone number saved in my phone. Eight or nine. Yeah, Olivia, that's what I was thinking too. Eight or nine. I don't know. if. Uh, what do you think? You think that was learned by the parents? And guess what? He got his free time. Hallelujah. That little boy's life has changed for forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Becoming a supple leopard is a top book for what? That's like a that's a fucking textbook, dude. Top three books. I don't really um yeah, I don't really listen to a ton of uh or read a lot of other books like that, like The Art of Racing, Gone with the Wind, that type of stuff. No, usually mostly. Mostly business books. Okay. Okay, so this one was interesting. Hopefully it'll open up a uh, little can of worms of, uh, of discussion here. But, um, oh, here's a good question. Philip Kelly. Wait, that's the wrong one. Steve Jobs. Just a book about him. Isaac Watson was a really good um, biographer. You should read it from him. So here's a serious question. How many banded bicep curls? 
did you do before going live? None of them, but I'm pretty sure since I woke up this morning, my heart rate's been at like 150 or like 155. So that's cool. You know, nervous before the show starts. It's a lot harder to uh, rock and roll this thing solo. Super impressive. So it all makes it look so damn easy. And the thing is, too, like all these people that we have on, like, and I include myself in this mostly, it's like you get on here and you feel like you're like, oh, yeah, we fucking killed it. I destroyed it, right? And then you realize like, mm -mm, no, it wasn't you. Because then you get on here by yourself and it's a whole different ballgame. You don't definitely don't feel as cool, a little insecure, a little vulnerable, a little exposed while you're hanging out on here. So it's a little bit different doing it, doing it solo. Matt, you were parked across the street from my house the other day. The boxy moved from the trunk to your back seat. That was all the stuff that I was bringing back to Sevens. I was going to make it sound like something cool and mysterious, but it was just uh, expensive stuff. So I didn't want to leave it in the backseat and then um, have it get busted into because that would completely defeat the purpose. Okay, you need to brush up on your ADHD techniques. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, next clip here. This one's going to have a little noise to it. And I titled this one here, Good Intentions. Good Intentions. You ended up in jail. Yeah, uh, I heard I heard this dude, or it was like 10 guys being a little girl. And uh, I was going to grab a break and rush in the house. And she was like, she told me psychically, she's like, don't do that. There's like 10 of them. They'll just kill you and continue to rape me. Do this, light the house on fire. And know how, when they go outside to put the fire out, I'll be able to escape and get out. So I did. I lit the house on fire and they caught me. They got me on camera. They, was, was there a girl and 10 guys? No. No. Just schizophrenia. That was your schizophrenia. Yeah. You, I, ended, I mean, you ended up in jail? Yeah. For attempted murder. I wound up going to prison for arson. Oh, prison for... Yeah. Wow. So okay. So we talk about it all the time, which is... The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? If you listen to the first part of the story, he's literally like explaining that he was going to try to save the little girl. But then, but then it turned out that there was no little girl at all. They were chasing the boogeyman. So now what I want, want you guys to think about is some of the topics that we discuss on the show. The majority of them start with this really great intention. But half the time, it's nonsensical meaning there was no little girl to be saved. And half the people that these politicians are trying to save, they're actually harming worse. They're lighting the house on fire while all these people are inside. Instead of fucking lighting the house on fire and assuming you're correct, why don't you just really try to understand what's happening? <laughs> and also to the, uh, have you guys ever met anybody schizophrenic? <clears throat> One of my cousin's mom was um, bipolar and she would do crazy shit. And it's not my aunt because it's my second cousin. I know somebody was going to say, oh, you mean your aunt? No. And um, when she would get on these like really highs and become like manic, she would do nuts stuff. Like I remember one time she dressed up in a uh, bathing suit. And at the time, <clears throat> my family member was like two years old, I think, three years old. So she grabbed her from the house and they both got dressed up in uh, bathing suits, one of which was three and the other one was a grown ass woman. And they showed up at the uh, car dealership and bought a car and claimed that they were they had stolen their dad's credit card and they were a couple of um, a couple of teenagers out to have a good a good time. 
one was a full grown ass woman, one was her daughter. And uh, that's the type of weird shit that mental health does. Okay. I got another clip on here for it. Okay, this one's not a video or anything. It's just <clears throat> essentially a, a quote here. Just keep in mind the more we value things outside of our control, the less control we have. I really like thinking about things like this because uh, anytime shit feels like it's getting out of hand or it's spiraling out of control, most likely we're just focusing on something that is completely without of our control. So the best thing to do is to try to just slow down and figure out what it is you control and start to just focus and control on those. You've heard Sevon talk about it a couple of times and I have the same thing like that. When, the, when, when you drop the ball on something or shit feels chaotic, instantly just like kind of go internally and figure out like, okay, I can control this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to make sure that this is squared away. I'm going to prepare for this. And that way you could just start controlling everything you possibly can. Wait, let me see something's coming. Your ex-husband's mom was Olivia? Oh, shit. I bet you you have some crazy stories. Did anything weird happen? Like during holidays and stuff, did you guys get together? And it's like, well, your schizophrenic mom's coming over and she shows up with just like two randoms. Wait, yes. Yeah, Read a spontaneous order. Okay. Um, extra sloppy. I was schizophrenic for two years. It was crazy. I'm glad it didn't last for the rest of my life. I guess I was smoking a bunch of weed and a prescription of Adderall would do that for you. No shit. So what happened? You just started to like, you'd smoke a joint, take some Addies, and then you'd hear voices in your head or something? Can you guys call in and talk about this? Oh, it was a drug-induced schizophrenia. Oh, she's talking to, uh, to Extra Sloppy there. <laughs> I would say. Oh, so Sean is claiming that it wasn't necessarily the combination of drugs, but the dosage. So more Adderall than weed. Okay. Yeah, you had to stop her coming over for your daughter's sake. That's trippy. You should definitely, Olivia, you should call in and tell one of the uh, stories. It can't be, it can't be any worse than some of these clips that I have here. <laughs> All right. So next one. Here. Okay, so this one I really like. This is a subject that we talk about all the time on the uh, on the show. And I don't have kids. Majority of you guys, you guys already know this by now. Um, but a lot of the members at the gym do. And so you get to see a lot of people that come into the gym with their kids, the way that they behave with their kids, the way that their kids behave in the environment. But most importantly, especially a lot of these kids that are, are frequently in class times, that like come with mom relatively often or come with dad relatively often, you um you start to see the way that they or their parenting skill or the discipline and the boundaries that they set for the kids or maybe the lack thereof but more importantly and i was getting to this point is you see the other uh, parents interact with the kids so this is our uh, friend of the show here jordan peterson now we want new subjects for new hoes i know but i'm just i'm just defaulting to what i know melissa i'm just defaulting to what i know if we make this a thing, I'm sure I'll definitely like fall into uh, a, a slightly different format or something. But until then, I'm just going to fucking mimic what I know. Um, Jordan Peterson clip. Talking about parenting. Talking about kids. Parenting. 
job as a parent is to make your child socially desirable by the age of four. Like you got to, you, you want to burn that into your brain because people don't know that. That's your job. And here's here's why. You, you think it's it's easy if you think about it carefully. So you imagine you've got a you've got a three-year-old child, so sort of halfway through that initial period of socialization, and you take that child out in public. Okay, what do you want for the child? Who cares about you? What do you want from the child for the child? You want the child to be able to interact with other children and adults so that the children are welcoming and smile and want to play with him or her. And so the adults are happy to see the child and treat him or her properly. And if your child's a horrible little monster because you're afraid of disciplining or you don't know how to do that properly, then what they're going to do is they're going to experience nothing but rejection from other children and false smiles from other parents and adults. And that's so then you're throwing the child out there into a world where every single face that they see is either hostile or lying. And that's not something that's going to be particularly conducive to the mental health or the well-being of your child. Your job as a Yeah, exactly. Right? So like a lot of the times some of the parents in there where the kids are a little bit less uh, orderly or they might get a little like crazy in there. You could see a lot of the parents immediately like walk in and all their kind of facial change change like, oh shit, we got to deal with this kid today. Or like, oh great, we have to like deal with this. By the way, caller, sorry about that. I want to let that clip play. If you uh, call back, I'll, I'll answer this time. I apologize. I'm definitely not in the position to be ignoring calls. So <laughs> go ahead and call back whenever. But you see the you see these kids walk in and you watch kind of the demeanor of the adults change. And the, the craziest part about this, and, and you guys that have kids, you could speak to this way more than I can, but they pick up on fucking everything. And rarely do they pick up on exactly what you're saying. They mostly pick up on what it is that you're doing, the energy in the room, like they could feel it a lot more, right? That, that sense of uh, nonverbal communication. So if they're always kind of feeling some sort of negative energy or something weird happens when they walk in the room, they're picking up on that and they're reacting to that. And sometimes a lot of the kids just react by, by acting out more. Like I've seen that happen quite a bit where they come in and like all the other parents are kind of like, oh, great, there's so-and-so's kid. They're going to be like loud or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden the kid kind of changes and then they ramp up their volume because they're not really sure how to like react in the environment, but they could definitely feel that something changed as they walked into the room. And it sucks because if you have kids and you raise them to where the other adults really like them. And again, you guys know the difference here. I want to talk about, I'm sure you've experienced through your life. Like you gravitate towards those kids. Like you see them and you just can't help it. You're just like, Unknown oh my caller. gosh. And, and it's crazy because then they get so much more attention. They don't have to jump at it the uh, same way you would if, um, if they did not get it. Caller, hello. Welcome to the show. What's your name? Where are you calling from? So I was going to share my schizophrenic story. Oh, yes. Um, Please do. So it's not didn't happen to me, but uh, I dated a girl once that uh, we were getting kind of serious, and uh, she was adopted. Okay. Um, this is our college years, and uh, she had a – but her biological mother was schizophrenic and bipolar. Um, and Did you know so, this before dating her? Did you like know the deal getting getting into it? Yes. Oh, yeah. brave man. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Uh, we got we're getting kind of serious, and uh, we're trying to figure out some banking information for her. Come to find out, her biological mother had stolen her um, 
her uh her like credit cards and all that and ran her credit up and she hadn't talked to her mother in a long time and so when she finally confronted her about it yeah did you guys um, wait one second did you guys see the charges like what was she buying we didn't see the charges but she had to call the credit number the credit line and try to figure out why she didn't have good credit okay um and we figured out that it was her mother that was doing this. Um, and then, uh, so when she finally called her mother, she um, she confronted her about it. And then the very next day, we figured out that she had um, took too many pills. And that was it. She uh, ended her life. No shit. That's correct. Oh. Okay, so uh, you okay? Hold on, we gotta we gotta unhash again. Okay, so are you still dating this girl? Do you still talk to the chick? No, no, we ended our relationship. Uh, there's a lot of stuff involved with all of that. But, okay, um, okay. So let's just get the timeline right. So you, you're dating this chick. It's getting pretty serious. You you go in and and how do you guys exactly? Because you tried to get a credit line and they said no, you have bad credit. Right. Correct. And, and then uh, realized- so she figured out. She found out that her mom had ran her, gotten her social security number, ran her credit, and uh, to buy different things that she needed, um, drugs, alcohol, whatever else, and then, yeah, ran her credit up. Wait, so did she? Did she? Did she? Do you think that she uh, committed the act because she felt so bad and couldn't control it, or right, right? Oh fuck. So, and you were still with this girl after this happened. How how does she take it? Uh, she hadn't talked to her biological mom in many years, and so it wasn't like she was very close to her. But it was it was a pretty serious situation. Damn. There was a there's a whole another backstory to where she was in this girl I was dating. She was the the family that she that had adopted her her father was going to prison that father was going to prison for something else that he did um and so i had to help this girl through a whole lot of bad situations and then i quickly found out uh it was almost four years four years and then how long before you found out like the the history with her family like with her mom and stuff um that was about three and a half years after we started dating that happened with her family, all of that happened within a matter of six months. Her dad going to prison uh, for something that he did, and um, and her mom, her biological mom, passing away. Um, and then uh, probably about three months later, I figured out this is not the girl that I, I want to be a family have a family with, and so I ended up. Oh my goodness! So you're like, hey, so my bad about your dad in prison. There was a and bunch your mom of committing suicide, but I'm out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not that there, I blame there you. Anyways, was a I mean, lot of... yeah, you're not married to her, right? I was talking on the show the right. other day. I was like, "Hey, if you uh, if you want a crystal ball into potentially women, potentially what their uh, futures will look like, you you basically just look at their moms and their demeanor and behavior and stuff like that. And chances are, right? Might... I started I started to see a lot of issues in this girl and uh, things that I did couldn't deal with. 
and didn't want to have to deal with and later on in life. So. Yeah, that's nuts. Was she good in bed? It, we didn't. We didn't do anything like that. No? In college? No. Oh, man. So you just had to deal with all the crazy stuff, but none of the uh, none of the good side of the crazy, huh? Are you celibate or something? Was it like a religious college? No. You were holding it for marriage? Yes. Ah, good on you. And are you married now? I am. Awesome. And that's going that's going better than the other relationship, I presume. One hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling in with your uh, the schizophrenic story there. I'm always interested in hearing yeah. some because there's usually some sort of crazy, uh, crazy situations well, attached to stuff like that. I better I better go before chat yeah. goes gets too much crazy. They start too much they crazy. start throwing shit like that at you. All right, thank you so much for calling with yeah. your story. I appreciate it. Interesting. By the way, that was totally uh, Sevon's question in the chat. <laughs> I was thinking it, but I was like, I don't know. Should I ask it? Because everybody's thinking it, right? You're like, is she like also crazy in that sense too? We don't, we don't know. We had to dig in there and ask. So, other callers. Sorry, there was a couple of people that called at the same time. I tried to turn it off so it wouldn't uh, repeat what people are saying, but. I will get that figured out so by the next time you guys call, it doesn't put you on blast. That one was just a number, though. It's only if I have your number saved or if it pops up as a name in the phone. Oh, you think so? Yeah, David, I think that's what, uh, that's what I was definitely... <laughs> we were not all thinking that. Yeah, right. You were. You were. You were. So that Jordan, that Jordan Peterson clip... What do you guys think? Do you agree with that? Somebody else in the chat said, no, don't make your kids desirable to people. I mean, you don't make them agreeable, right? You don't just have them to where they just agree to anything that strangers say. Hey, I got some candy. You want to come in my van? Sure. My dad taught me to be agreeable. No, that's not the case. But essentially, you make it to where they're polite and they're present around other adults. And I think a lot of times, too, when they start to feel like when kids start to feel that energy of almost like they're either not liked by the by the parents or they're kind of just one of those kids that everybody's like, oh boy, and they kind of move away. The second they feel that energy, they crank their like attention getting skills up. So all of a sudden they get extra fuzzy. They start to they start to yell a lot. And uh, then it just almost perpetuates that cycle. And the real issue is, is that the parent doesn't know how to like properly discipline them or or put in put in boundaries. And so all of a sudden now the child is attempting to take control of the environment, which is which is always interesting because you could tell or parents that try to change the environment for their kid. So like they show up to like some party and they have to like move all the stuff around before they usher their child in because they know that it's just going to run fucking rampant because the kid has no discipline and they don't know how to remove them from the situation. And of course, this is the best parenting advice that you could get from someone who's not a parent. So take it for what it is. Um, I don't agree that spot. See, that's the problem. Not super friendly. That's where that's where it's getting confused. It's not that they need to be super friendly. And in fact, majority of the kids are really shy. And a lot of the kids that are shy could still be kids that are likable or liked by adults. For instance, if you have a shy kid and you're a parent there and the kid comes over and they stop and the adult stops and they go, hi, little so-and-so, like, are you the parent that kind of steps aside? Doesn't like shove the kid out because clearly they're shy, but steps aside and says, hi, mini Heidi, please wave at this adult because they're acknowledging you and we acknowledge them back as human beings and we look up at them. Sure, the kid's afraid. Sure, it's going to kind of stand with its hand in its mouth and like hide behind, but that's that's fine. It doesn't matter. You still at least had the interaction. Um, yeah. 
bro science and parenting science. Exactly. Okay, I want to scroll back up for a second and uh, go to Philip Kelly's because he put fun on it. Thank you so much for donating the money and the calls. I, this is already like a 10 out of 10 for me because I was like, fuck, if everybody leaves and this thing drops down to like 20 people. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And I appreciate the um, I appreciate the donations. Uh, Susan, how do you handle members who want to follow their own programming? Does the same apply to coaches? Okay, so this is an interesting topic and one that comes up all the time um, in affiliates. Okay, so the first thing I always go to with the conversation is why do you why are you trying to follow your own program? Okay, is it because you're competitive? You want to be competitive, and the one you're getting from the class isn't necessarily um, filling that need. Like you don't feel like the class workouts and the class programming is going to make you better at competitive CrossFit, um, or do you think just the class programming and stuff sucks? Um, so the biggest thing that what I do is. I don't, you have to follow the class, the class programming. If you want to do extra like accessory stuff because you're working on a, on a, um, on a, you know, personal goal or you want to get stronger or you do want to add in some stuff to make it to where you could do, be better at, you know, the open or whatever your, whatever your goal is, that's one thing. But if you're completely just following your own whole entire program off to the side and you're not engaging with the class, you're not engaging with the, uh, with the, with the um, community and the coaches there then you're not a right, you're not a right fit for the gym. Um, if you do something where you follow the class and then, like I said, you go off to the side and kind of work on some of your own stuff, you maybe you're getting in some extra strength work, you're getting in some extra Olympic lifts, you're getting in some extra gymnastic skills or something like that. That that's totally fine. But outside of that, just completely doing your own thing. I've never been a fan of it because it starts to separate your community. Cause next thing you know, the person who works out and does one, like their own program off to the side, one person's going to look over there and go, huh, what's so-and-so doing? And then maybe they'll want to follow that or, Oh, I want to be competitive too. Or the person who is working out off to their side and following their own programming is now going to start recruiting others to work out with them because nobody wants to work out alone. And what happens is you have this divide in your community. So the second that starts to happen, the first thing I do is I just go and I like have a conversation with them because you don't want to start to create this like us versus them mentality. Because once that happens, especially for owners that not aren't heavily involved, meaning you're not coaching a lot of classes throughout the week. Um, if you're not heavily involved in your gym, at the second that divide happens, you start to get the us versus them mentality. And if you're not involved, it's going to create a lot of resentment towards the owners. Pretty soon your coaches are going to be recruited into that. And it's going to get real tough to get the community like back on the same sheet of music and back, for lack of better words, under, under your control. So when people call in, Logan Mars call in. All right, let's see what we got here. I tried to open it. Right. Caller, hello. Welcome to the show. Right parenting advice. Right, right. <laughs> perfect, perfect. It's just great coming parenting advice from a guy whose room is clearly a mess. <laughs> clearly trash just a strewn everywhere. I mean, you look like Steve before he even got into drugs. I'm just waiting for the shoe to fall. <laughs> well thank you mr uh peterson we liked your we liked your advice on uh parenting there do you also agree that people that don't have kids should be giving out and do give out the best parenting advice right well it's kind of like you know it's like the princess in, in the story with the ball and 
and she's chasing the ball right right and she she runs down the street right and, and she trips over her shoelaces and it's just a mess and, and you wonder why because princesses do it didn't even exist in a time with shoelaces and and then you sit there and you think why where is this even going and then and you don't know because it's written by a postmodernist, and and it's just a spiral uh question though susan yeah um being that <laughs> nice being that you yeah seamless no he's right here next to me i just grabbed the phone yeah uh, good yeah he's rambling swoop it yeah don't let him go uh, being that you are a uh gym owner expertise mm-hmm. uh, i do have a question yes so let's say in theory that i join a new crossfit gym okay all right yep what are like the five things well, actually, let's say I'm just new to CrossFit. What are like the five things to like not piss off if I don't know the etiquette, like five common sense etiquette things? Because because mm. I did just get back or did just attend my first CrossFit class in like eight years. So, hey, congrats. Feel, congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still do you still have that thing where it announces who calls? Um, I hope I turned that? it off. I don't know. I think I fixed it. Okay, good. I don't know. Good. I don't know if it did on your my name's because my name's Nick Fettuccini, also known as Watson. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there we go. You just docked them right. there. All right. So the five so the five things as far as etiquette, I don't think it's really should be on you at all as the person walking in. I think you should be guided to make that experience comfortable, right? But um, just a couple of ground rules. Obviously, keep your chalk in the fucking bucket. Don't 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 leave a chalk trail. I always say the uh, the chalk trail leads to the amateur. So don't don't get your chalk all over the place. If you're brand new to CrossFit in general, don't drop the empty barbell. That's like nails on a chalkboard to every single coach. Pay attention. And the biggest thing for me, and this isn't five, that that was like three or something. But just ask questions. A lot of times people will come in there and they don't fucking um, ask any questions and you could tell they're lost. So they just look left and right and then they just kind of follow what the person next to them is doing. And that's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. So ask questions when you come in. Don't drop an empty barbell. Keep the chalk in the bucket. Awesome. What about if I have to puke? Just throw up directly there on the floor. That's a sign of you tried hard. (laughs) If I'm trying to build community, can I just turn to the guy next to me and puke on him? Yeah, yeah. That's going to start. That's a great conversation starter. And you guys will have a bonding experience after that. I mean, you'll try to clean it off his crotch by touching it with a rag. He'll get further embarrassed. And it just creates this sort of this sort of moment for the two of you. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that one a shot. I'll call and I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. Please do. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we got some other. Heidi dropped in a couple of them, and so did Allison. Um, let me go back up. Creates division where there shouldn't be any. Yeah, exactly, Philip Kelly. And that's that just becomes the issue is like people think that they want more out of their program. And, and here's the deal. Don't fucking say it. Half the people that want to do their own programming off to the side or be competitive can't do any of the shit RX anyways. You see them set up and they're going to do their handstand push up and they have like three ab mats and you're like, what the fuck? You don't need mayhem athlete. Well, maybe, maybe you do not to, not to show the mayhem amateur. I love them. But the point is, is you don't need this overly advanced competitive programming. You just need to do CrossFit and you need to be able to get yourself in a place that no matter what comes up on the board, you could do it RX. So what I mean by that is you could do bar muscle ups. You could do ring muscle ups. You could do handstand walking at least 25 feet. You could do handstand push ups. You could do all the weights that are normally listed in the prescribed workout, right? 
Like if you could do all of that and then you want to do some uh, extra competitive programming, that's fine. If not, you should just be working on your own to get those skills up to the place to where you can do that. And hopefully the programming that you're um, doing at the, uh, at the gym there, whoever is programming for the gym is giving you enough, enough of the program to where you're building that up naturally within it. You shouldn't have to go outside of it from your, on your own. Um, okay. There was some other really good ones in here. Let me find them. Don't wear stinky knee sleeves. Yeah, for real. You know what sounds fucked up? <laughs> I don't think I've ever washed my knee sleeves. <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. You don't have to worry about it because um, because Grace usually watches them for me. Caller, welcome to the show. I didn't dox deal. I answered it before it said. Hey, Matt. It's Tyler. Hi, Tyler. What's up, buddy? So, John Young and... Spin and I talked about this on, on the last podcast we did for Spin. Okay. Um, and the thing, it's funny because John, John was a little bit more ready. I think this is a failure of HQ to teach people how to funnel uh, to deal with athletes that want more. Mm, okay. Like basically we, we went to our level one. We basically just learned how to coach athletes just regular and then it's like, well, we never really got instruction on how to deal with anyone who wanted to do more. And I've been part of like six different gyms in the last, you know, five years, six year, or four years. And like we come in, I do competitive programming outside and I always do feel ostracized, but I work hard to try to not do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know if you remember this, but a few weeks ago, I asked Chase and Bill how they sort of deal with that. Yep. I do and JR. Yeah. <clears throat> so what, what do you do? I guess my question is, what do you do when athletes come in? They are good enough to do their own programming um, and, and then make sure that it's not weird. Yes. Okay. So you mean they have all the RX skills, like they are that person that fits that bill. They enjoy being in the community, but they do want more out of the programming. Yes. Yeah. So usually I just have a conversation with them and then we try to find some sort of synergy that'll work between them and the class. I mean, that's the main thing. And, okay. we, and we, and I have a couple of people at my gym, like they like to meet on Saturday morning at uh, 7 a.m. before a class gets in there and they'll do stuff like pegboard workouts that we don't normally have in. They'll do more things with a uh, handstand walks that are normally not programmed that much into the, uh, into the class stuff. They'll do extra lifts. They'll do a couple of the online, you know, type uh, competition workouts that are going at the time. And that's fine. The main thing is, is that they can't be disruptive to the class. And it sounds like you're somebody who gets that and understands it, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's my main thing. As long as you're not, uh, as long as you're not disruptive to the class and as long as we could find a synergy between myself, the programmer and the gym owner and what you guys are uh, looking for, then we're all good. The only problem is, is that once that conversation stops and people are kind of doing it on their own side and that you're building up resentment against the owner because they're not providing what you need and the owner's building up res uh, resentment against you because they feel they feel like you're trying to start some sort of revolution in their community, that's when shit starts to turn ugly. So as long as you have conversations well, see, ahead of time. And that's, that's the interesting part because oftentimes like we go to a new gym and then people become inspired I, I don't want to say that we're inspirational, but they see what they're doing and then they want to do more. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so all of a sudden we start having four people, you know, two people join us and then four people are doing it. And then it's like this thing. And then it's like, okay, now there's an awkward conversation that needs to happen. We didn't do this on purpose. Right. People just wanted to do and be more. And, and so it's like, you know, what I've always asked owners and coaches 
like how to handle this is like we need some sort of funnel to deal with these people. I feel guilty for dragging these people over, but they do want more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a need that you're not servicing. So how can we actively sort of deal with it? And so it's like, that's when you think about like, how do you feel about things like competitors classes? Like you, you hear about those from time to time. Oh, we have a competitors class, stuff like that. Yeah. Like how do you deal with funneling those people into something else or do you deal with it? Yeah. Well, right now I don't, I don't have a ton of that need at the gym. Like most of my population is really like families just focused on long-term health. Um, but the, the mm-hmm. few that I do, I, I do exactly what I said. Like there's a, there's a guy that works at the gym that's, that's becoming relatively high level, has a definite shot at, at, you know, continuing to elevate in the sport. And so I, I work with him off to the side. We talk about his programming. We sit down, we have goal setting meetings about what his needs are. If other people that want to join can join, we set it up, we make it cohesive with the week, uh, the week's programming for the class. I'll even allow those individuals to see what I'm programming out ahead of time so they could kind of make whatever they're doing work with it. And honestly, that's the, that's the biggest, that's the only thing you could really do is have a conversation and try to find some sort of synergy, but you also need support right. from the Philly donor, right? So like if I had you in my gym, let's say this scenario was happening, why have you in my you gym? You wouldn't let me in in the first part. Yeah, I would have locked the door. And no. <laughs> so if you're in my gym, and let's say there's a handful of you guys and you're like, hey, we want to do some more. We're enjoying the class programming by and large, like the Metcons and stuff like this, but we want to do X, Y, Z. The first thing I would do is say, okay, awesome. Let's have a conversation about it. Do you guys think this should be a class? What is your time allowance? Can you support it? If I said, what, do, what does support look like for you guys? How could we make this work where it's not going to be disruptive? And we just have an open conversation because the second you feel that I'm supporting and I'm going to service the need that you guys are asking for, which is to be, to, to do a little bit more, to go outside the programming. Then once I'm empowering you, instead of trying to keep it or push it away or become defensive about what I have, then you can find the synergy and it'll work. No problem. No problem. That's the, and that's, that's the problem we usually run into is it, it's like, I'm trying to piss on your turf. It's like, no dude, it's like, I'm just trying to do my own thing, but this is going to be something that you have to deal with. Yep. And it's like a lot of people hide from it instead of being proactive and like, Hey, how do I synergistically get you into our, our ecosystem? Like I have to do a lot of work to get ourselves to get us integrated into the system. And I think it, it usually helps to, to ease over the owner or the, the operators a little bit better yeah. but not every owner does that so it yeah basically what you're saying is be a good gym owner and deal with the <laughs> yeah i mean just communicate and then empower empower the people right just lay out like hey here's the expectation that i want this is what i need to happen how could we take these expectations or this standard and then how could we empower you guys to do whatever you want to do and then if they're like oh i'm not going to run it i'm not going to do something then that's a different story but um, right. yeah, that's what it's about. It's just about it's just about that open communication because that happens quite a bit at gyms. It happens all the time, and uh, and yeah, the worst thing you could do is shut off that communication because that's when resentment builds. Yep. Yeah. All right, man, you're doing great. Hey. I'll jump off. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Yep. Bye. Do you guys have that happen a lot at the gym? Like, I wonder if that's a communication with the owner uh, or the head coach. I've had quite a few conversations um, with people that have uh, that we've talked about that are either wanting to open their own gym or um, are head coach in their gym and are just aren't getting support from the owner. And the real question is, <clears throat> is I always put it back on them and I'm like, hey, have you laid out exactly what the issues that you're experiencing are and and have just been honest about that and then given them a chance to either support you in that or explain some of the reasonings why they're not. And the unfortunate thing is, is 
sometimes owners just get either defensive or they're tired. And so once you come in with this new idea, they think, oh, great, sure, I'm going to have to do this for you too and add it to the long list of shit I have to do. So, you know, just kind of just be patient with the gym owners and, and come from a place of like, not like, hey, everybody is saying we need. If you say that shit to me, I'm like, who the fuck is everybody? And I don't want to hear it. So if you come and you say, hey, me, Matt, I wanted something more in the programming. This is what I'm thinking about doing. This is what I wanted to do. This is how I think it would work. What are your thoughts on it? And then can we find something together to, to work it out so it works for everybody? Don't come ever to anybody and say, everybody's been saying you play shitty music. <laughs> no one said that about me, but whenever you see the, the I just, I think it's cowardice. Like if you have the issue, just, just say you're the person, say you're going to have the, uh, the, say you have the issue and then try to work to a resolution. Otherwise it's, it's never going to go anywhere. Caller name and where you're calling from. Welcome to the show. Matt, what's up, dude? It's Jeremy from Milwaukee. What's going on? You're doing great. Dude, Jeremy, thank you. I've been loving your uh, story updates on the uh, <laughs> on the dating pool there. It's amazing. Good, good, good. I'm glad I I'm glad you guys allow me to to call in and talk about it. I was actually calling in about that. I'm just kidding. No, oh, yeah. not, at all. <laughs> not, not this time. Not this time. Um, so I was actually just talking with Wes about this not too long ago about athletes, your, you know, your members wanting more. Okay. Now, obviously with CrossFit in general, there should be growth. There should be progression. If you don't have a pull-up, guess what? We want to help you get your pull-up, you know, stuff like that. Right. You're going to be better suited at life if you're more physically fit. All right. So, Absolutely. so there's that side. Then there's the athletes that uh, maybe they see uh, a West or a high level athlete and they want to, they want to do that. So what he and I talked about was if you're that athlete, <clears throat> the high level athlete, and you're seeing the, you know, the newer members or, or members that have been there a while that they want to get really, really, really fit. Yep. It comes down. Your job is to be brutally honest with them. Meaning you have to lay it out. And I've had to do this. I'm not like a games athlete, but pretty fit 37 year old. Um, you have to be brutally honest and tell them, <clears throat> first of all, you touched on it. Sets, let's set some goals. What are, what are your goals? Do you just want to, you just want to look cool or do you actually want to achieve this level of fitness that you desire? So set some goals. What are your goals? And then second, you have to, as that higher level athlete, whatever you want to call it, you have to be brutally honest with them and not only tell them, but show them what it takes. Like it's going to take this many hours of your day. You're going to have to eat very well. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of uh, personal fun, you know, uh, social life stuff. You, yeah. It's not, it's not just the, Oh, I came to the gym and I'm going to do a bunch of extra stuff. You might get away with that for a while. And I have an athlete at my gym very much like that. Um, she, she'll get after it, but when she's not at the gym, she's out boozing, she's out. She's, and getting, I'm not after people, you know? she's getting after yeah, it. She's getting after some other things, you know? Uh, and so she's still struggling in, you know, not, not getting as fit as fast as a person who in the gym gets after it. Well, I have to be really honest with her. Hey, look at your lifestyle. 
You know, like, do you really want this level of fitness or do you just want, does it look cool? You know, so you just have to goal setting and brutal honesty. That's right. Yep. A hundred percent in brutal honesty in the face of where, uh, it's, it's, you're not doubting their dreams, but you're just laying down an expectation. That's all. hundred percent. It's not, yeah. You're not being a dick. You're not like, yeah, look, you'll never be able to do this. Like, no, it's like, no, you just, if you want to do this, yeah, there you go. Realistic, you know, and, and people often these days, you know, whether it's COVID, whether whatever, people just don't like confrontation. Yeah. So like you kind of, you kind of like have to be confrontational a little bit, you know, because if you just say, yeah, you can do this, let's go high fives. And, and, you know, I mean, hmm, it's not going to be as effective. It's not going to have the outcome that you, that they want. Um, as opposed to being really honest and be like, yo, this is what it takes. Lay it all out. And do you want to do this or not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right. That's exactly, that's exactly the, the conversation that needs to be had. Love it, man. Yeah. Keep crushing it. Good point. Thanks, Jeremy. Hey, and uh, right, Trey, you if you're not What's watching up? the show, watch the show in a second here. I got something for you. I saw it. One of my, um, uh, one of my coaches at the gym sent it to me and I instantly thought of you instantly oh, so i'm gonna play it in a second here all right so oh, i can't wait <laughs> all right thanks for calling all right, thanks man but right, oh no i dude i have to just keep playing with the mic that's all i got like if you ever dude you guys should see when i'm on the phone with Sevon. i should put like a gps tracker it's just figure eights in the apartment and if grace is here she kicks me out and i have to go outside because I can't normally, I just can't sit still and talk. Like that's why, like when people are like, "Oh, let's do a Zoom meeting," I'm like, "Fuck!" That means I can't like wander around and walk because I need to like move while I talk. That's just, uh, I mean, maybe it's just because majority of the public speaking and talking I do is coaching in front of classes, and before that, it was like bartending and serving. So there's just maybe that's just the way it was like ingrained in me that I'm have to like move. There has to be something going on while I um while I'm talking while I'm moving through it. Okay, there was some good stuff in the um in the comments here thank you guys so much for being like you guys have been awesome today we're above 100 people i've already reached my goal like i'm playing with house money at this point do you guys like the new um the new microphone does it sound a little bit better i was listening back to some of the stuff with the blue yeti mic that was the mic i had prior to this one and it just sometimes it sounded weird like it didn't really um it didn't sound as good as i wanted it to uh Jake Chapman, competitors don't pay the bills. And from experience, they're the uh, ones who bugger off to the newest, shiniest gym. Core demographics need nurturing first and foremost, only then sharpen the spear. A lot of good points in that, Jake. A lot of good points. You're right. Usually the ones who come in that are like like hyper-focused on being competitive burn themselves out within the first year, do demand a lot, do put a lot of stress on you because they need all this other stuff or whatever and um and then they end up just uh just leaving um what if you're already on a program okay we got this one here oh this is two names fuck now i gotta pronounce them Xavier and kelly spoken okay what if you're already on a program when you decide to join a new gym then you're not deciding to join the new gym you're deciding to uh rent the equipment at a new facility I, I basically view it as like, if you're going to join an affiliate, like join the affiliate, go all in on it, like do their programming, immerse yourself into the community, like 
hopefully we got some other stuff going on, some other programs or some community events. And like, yeah, that's what you should be doing. Not trying to bring your program into their house. If not, just go to like a, a gym that just offers open gym or something. Um, Brandon Graham, should owners do classes regularly? Yes, they should. They should. Um, they should for sure be doing their own programming. At least that's the way that I see it. You should be taking your own medicine. You should, whatever you're giving out and, and doing to your members, you should uh, have done or um, or should be doing. Personally, because right now I coach so many uh, classes, I don't normally work out with the class as much as I used to in the past. I work out in the off hours between um, one and three of the gym is usually somewhere in that time period. I get it in with uh, Albert, who is the full-time coach at my... Um, uh, Jim for me, holding it down and crushing it. Susan, how often do you talk to your class in general about nutrition? Uh, right away. We talk to them on the first, <clears throat> their first day of their intro class. Uh, they get a little homework each night. It's just something small. And the homework on the first night is to go to their house, open their cabinets, look through stuff, uh, read the nutrition labels. We have a little PDF that is like uh, understanding nutrition labels that Grace made up. So we send them that uh, PDF in an email. And then that day during class as it's ending and we're kind of cooling down and debriefing, I say, go home, find something in your cupboard, flip over the a label and look for something that had sugar in it that you didn't expect to have sugar in it, some sort of added sugar to it. And usually these are like condiments or something. People are like, oh my gosh, my ketchup is actually just sugar. Yeah, no fucking shit. Um, but it'll start to bring their awareness up to like what they're putting into their body. And a lot of people don't do that. They're not, they're not reading labels. They're not flipping stuff over and looking at it. So that's usually where that conversation starts. So right at the get-go. And then um, we have an in-body scanner I know some of you guys are going to be like, oh, my God, anybody, it's not as accurate. It looks, it's, real, it's more fucking accurate than like your pinch tests, which is just, just an excuse to touch other people's bodies. Um, so we start that off right at their intro course as well, too. So then we get a printout that tells us that their skeletal muscle mass, their body fat percentage in their uh, body weight. And we sit down and we go over that together and we talk about ways that they can improve what they're eating and how much they're eating and what they're eating um, to get that, that back in line uh, to a oh, normal 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 i guess is obese and sick but we get it back into a healthy parameter um tim brown i'm looking for your question you had one about oh here it is boom okay tim brown would you recommend getting your body right before joining a crossfit gym i got a disc like a bold disc or a hurt disc no go to the crossfit gym immediately and if they're good at what they do they will ask you immediately before you start, are you dealing with any injuries or do you have anything going on that we need to know about? And if they don't ask you that, that's already kind of a sign of like, maybe give, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they forgot that time. But before you get into a class, somebody, whether it be a coach who took you through the orientation or the coach before that class is should be asking, hey, are there any injuries or anything you're working around? And then in which case you need to be into that CrossFit gym so you could start the exercises that are going to rehabilitate everything. And um rehabilitate your hips, rehabilitate your shoulders, and then hopefully take that pressure off of the uh, bold dish and make sure that nothing is going to continue to um, bother or hurt it or make it worse. Harris, Matt, uh, better topic, Matt. Do you put your cart away after unloading the groceries? I, I rarely use a cart to begin with. Um, I must admit that Grace does all like the bigger grocery shopping. I just kind of stop every now and then at the store and just tell me, and she tells me what to grab like little things here and there. Uh, but yes, I always put the cart away. And usually I put the cart back up at the grocery store, not even into one of those corrals, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? That is just me. 
Okay, we got another one here. I do have some more clips, and I was going to play this. I was, um, It's a YouTube thing, though, so I got to go like seven seconds at a time, and I'm afraid... Don't worry, Stefan, it's nothing crazy. But I'm afraid if I do it seven seconds at a time, it'll it'll take away from the uh, it'll take away from the clip itself. Um, hear me out. A member calendar like fighter fires. <laughs> You're not the first one that has suggested that. It's gotten pretty close before in the um fast. Uh, Melissa, Susie, you found your show affiliate coaching members programs, not in as athlete, but as a See a fitter as a cross as a crossfitter as a sifter. Yeah, I knew. I knew eventually it was gonna uh, go to this topic just because this is where I'm comfortable talking about affiliates and um, you know the business of CrossFit affiliates. But I was hoping to kind of avoid it off for as long as I could. Uh, our affiliate owner gives us straight up Grassman type nutrition lessons every three to four months. Susie, do you remember Randy Vest? Y'all had him on the affiliate owner podcast with Savon. Yeah, I do remember him. Cool. I'm glad he's uh, doing the whole entire nutrition thing. He gets a little, uh, a little beat down music and a little applaud. There. Yeah, you guys like those sound effects, don't you? Philip Kelly, why don't members slap each other asses more often after workouts, like the way they do in other sports? <laughs> oh, Philip, you know that's not going to end well. <laughs> Okay, we'll go on to this uh, this next one. We ended that discussion on the making sure your your uh, your kids are liked by other people. That is important. Okay, so this this story that I'm going to show you here. This guy has been um, filming this living across the street from. It looks like it looks like his uh, his apartments here, and. Um, This guy, so this is in San Diego, and this guy who's filming has been calling, and you're going to see in a minute, on this guy in the tent. And the last couple of times um, he filmed this, this dude was like outside yelling at himself, doing just crazy. I mean, you guys see it all the time on the streets, right? They call it, they call it homeless, but we all know it's, it's, it's drug addiction and mental illness. And so he sees this guy on the uh, street with a knife, and he's kind of talking to himself. He's yelling. Um, at himself and this is directly across the it looks like it's from the balcony where he lives and this is the guy so he's been following this for a couple of days and he's been trying to get the city's attention to actually do something about this or to this guy and they they the cops come down they won't arrest them i look like a re revoke tag up on the wall next to it but that couldn't be revoke it's like copying it someone else living there and this is what he does right there and they can't do anything about it. They can't move that tent. This guy's not going to get in trouble for fucking anything. They're not going to arrest him. There's no reason to. Even if they did arrest him, they're just going to release him. These guys are here. It looks like they're getting ready to uh, potentially haul some of this stuff out. And look, you could just go and set up on the street. And once I watched this one, the algorithm started feeding me more and more of these kind of like, homeless video clips and stuff like that. And some of these setups that these people have is fucking elaborate. Like they didn't just build, like it didn't just pop up overnight, right? Like it took weeks. Like one of them had these, uh, these, uh, uh, pallet, um, fuck what? I forget the name of the, uh, I forget what it is called now, but, um, anyways, he had all the wooden, the wooden pallets like stacked up like this, like in an A frame and straight up built himself a freaking house 
on the side of the street. And so the reason why I bring this up and I, and I titled it uh, Different Justice Systems is because we really do have three different criminal injustice systems, if you think about it. You have one for the ultra-rich, right? Don't get in trouble for shit. Their loyal handles everything. Don't do any jail time. Get minimum sentences. Just throw a shitload of money at whatever the problem is, right? Or on the bottom side of this is you have this situation where it doesn't even matter if you take that individual jail because what, what are you going to do anyways? You're going to take them to jail. That's going to be our tax dollars. That's going to put them through the process and so they're going to be right back out onto the street. So essentially, there is no law for the homeless. I mean, outside of doing something completely crazy. And even then in California, they'd probably lock them up for a period of time. And then eventually they would just kind of wash back out into the streets. And so it's nuts that we sit here and we're like, arguing over all these things all the time that divide us, you know, all the hot button uh, subjects. And literally we have birthed three, especially since the pandemic, this has really started to blow up here. We birthed three separate justice systems in my mind. The one at the very bottom where you're not held accountable for anything because why? Or at the very top where you're not held accountable of anything because of the inverse of that, because you have so much money, it doesn't matter. You could dump it to it. And then you have the middle class, which is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, especially in California. Because if I go out there and I act like that, guess what? If I start walking on the street, if I go right now and I go to the fucking the Home Depot uh, on the other side of town here, and I start walking around with the knife and sliding it on the ground and scraping it and yelling and talking to myself, there's going to be a shitload of cops that are going to show up. And guess what? They're going to take me to fucking jail. And... Once I go to jail, they're going to charge me with something. And they know that I have a job and they know that I have a bank account and they know that I have everything else and I'm going to need to be held uh, uh, accountable for the consequences of my action. And I have to. If not, more stuff will come on me. And then guess what? <laughs> Two things will happen. I'll either resolve the situation with the law, do my time, pay the fine, whatever the case may be, or it would just start rowing me into the system to start to push me further down that ladder to where then it doesn't even... It doesn't even matter. Now all of a sudden I have another charge here. I didn't go to jail. I didn't, I didn't go to court for this. And then I got another one. And now I lost my job. And you could see how it how it could spiral out of control pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So what's the solution? Here's the thing. I don't know if there is a solution. That's the fucked up thing about it. I think the main reason why especially in California, we keep going back to this like homeless problem is because a lot of money gets thrown at the homeless problem and it continues to get worse. So imagine, imagine you come to my CrossFit affiliate and I'm like, Hey, for the whole entire month, it's 50 bucks and you're going to lose, you're going to lose five pounds. You're going to lose that five pounds you wanted to. I got you. I'll take care of it. So you, you pay me that for the month, right? Then the following month we check back in and you gained another five pounds. Okay. So now you got 10 pounds to lose. How long are you going to do that? Now we go to the next month. Oh, another five more dollars. And I swear we're going to fix the problem this time. Okay, so you pay me again. And then you go back and then you come back again and you've gained more weight again. That This is exactly what's happening with the homeless problem. And so I think the first solution, uh, Heidi, to, to answer your question here, the first solution is we, we become really particular around the language that we're using to define the problem. Okay, because what happens if we defined my problem as, oh, Matt just kind of falls asleep at random times. Someone's like, well, well, why? Well, maybe he's got narcolepsy. Oh, yeah, that's it. Well, have you been seeing a shitload of the prescription pain pills he's been taking? Do you think it's that? 
Well, I think he takes that because of the narcolepsy. Oh, okay. So then all of a sudden we're having this conversation. Is it the, is it the mental health problem? Like, is it something that was going on with me internally or was it the, was it the uh, drugs that got me there? It is it the combination of the two, but the whole entire time we're just talking about me sleeping. We're not actually talking about the original problem, narcolepsy or the drugs that I'm taking now. <clears throat> and then we're continuously throwing money at the problem that Matt falls asleep, but we don't even have the correct language to first address the issue to begin with. So there we go. With well, the Huji message, he ween, he has solutions. He has the solution. He is him. The answer is in probably one of those books behind you. It is not. And th that shelf actually creeps up quite a bit. Um, there's nothing about homelessness in that. Running a business, maybe, but not, not, uh, not homelessness. Okay. Also, too, I know you guys, we already talked about this on one of the other shows, but the fact that uh, San Francisco closed that Nordstrom, or Nordstrom's closed its store in San Francisco on the Westfield Mall on uh, Fifth and Market. Like, if any of you guys have been to San Francisco and the Westfield Mall, you know how massive it is. It's a 312,000 square foot facility. It was five fucking stories of a Nordstrom, and that is gone. And so, and I know Seven already touched on this point, but once that's gone, all the little mini stores in that whole ecosystem around them is gone. So I'd be willing to make a bet that within a four-year period here, San Francisco will become the new Detroit. As a ton of the tech industry has left out of there, as the problems with the drug addiction on the street, uh, the problems with the um, armed robbery, the burglary, the break-ins of the cars and everything else is becoming so intense there that the city is just once business leaves, that's it. The eco, the the whole entire economy and that little ecosystem that revolves around all that major tech industry and all the people that travel in for those jobs and all the people that live there for those jobs, as that's all gone, all that money, all that foot traffic, everything else wa washes out. And what happens is now you have this whole entire <clears throat> issue that was contained for a period of time in San Francisco. Like they were kind of able to keep it focused in just a couple of spots, and everybody else kind of ignored it. And the second all that shit washed out and then the, that whole entire thing broke out and 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 it got crazy, I, I don't know if they could get that genie back in the bottle. I really do. I think all of a sudden people will become more desperate that live there. The ones who can leave will leave. The ones who uh, uh, definitely have a lot of money and are able to leave are already gone. So then once you start to see that second layer move out because they're like, fuck this, kind of that upper middle class, the affluent people that could still live in San Francisco. Once you start to see them leave or push further to uh, Daly City, South San Francisco, that downtown area is going to get bad. And I mean, it already is bad, but it'll get really bad, like shootouts in the street, like in Chicago type shit bad. And um, and then I, I don't see I don't see how they're going to get the uh, I don't see how they're going to get the handle on that. Um, yeah, I've actually, we had Tommy G on the show. You guys remember him? He had some great stuff and he was buying a lot of properties in, in Detroit, but that's how it is. It all goes in cycles, right? It'll just take a, um, it'll just take a little bit, a little bit longer for it to cycle back around. Um, will you be at the semis of Pasadena? I don't think I will be. I don't think I'm going to, um, Go there. When I talked to Savon about it, I think we were just... I mean, we're still going to be definitely doing something with semifinals. That's for sure. We'll fucking kill it. We always do. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm actually going to travel and, and be there this time. Uh, Brandon Graham, thoughts on broken science rivaling CrossFit? 
I don't think it will. I don't know if it'll go. I don't. I don't know. I mean, you guys heard Greg was on the show. I don't think he has any interest in in pursuing something in the fitness thing. And if he doesn't, I don't really see um, how it would. Uh, I know you guys talk a lot about uh, talk about homelessness a lot. For those of us who don't live in Cali or something, it's way different here. Like nobody is going to be homeless where I am. Um, by choice, it's too cold. Well, yeah, that's why they all come to California, right? <clears throat> because with the weather that's here, even like our worst weather is still fine. Like you could still live out on the street. Uh, plenty of homeless here in Wisconsin. They are 99% all drug addicts. Yes. Don't forget homes are $2,000 per square foot in San Francisco. That's $1 million for a five-hundred foot in that's cheap. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that's even going to stay that way. Like if you guys haven't, if you guys live in there and you haven't been, um, I guess, but even downtown Oakland, so Jeffrey Birchfield, so it'll be like Oakland. No, I think San Francisco, I mean, there's pockets like West Oakland's pretty bad. Like they got some really big, like open drug market encampments there that are crazy big. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know if it'll be, if it'll be the same. What else we got here? Broken science is on a different mission. Yeah. I hope Broken science makes a homeschool curriculum. That is, uh, is far more likely the right train of thought there, Heidi. Far more likely the right train of thought. Okay. So we'll get through a couple of these. Damn, I made an hour and 17 minutes. Yes. This is good. Okay. Have you guys seen? This is old. I think they might have even been on um, uh, Joe Rogan about this. Have you guys seen this before? So that bear is stalking this this family. And I'll play a little sound here so you guys could uh, hear. Hey, Bear! The gold mom and dad hey. are like... Do not run. Hey, Bear! Mom, are this a bit. Dad's like... Bear. Hey, Bear! They got another kid with them. Um, the mom, if you don't see, because we're seeing it from the perspective of her camera, she's actually holding another kid. So they got a total of three young children with them. And they're being stalked by this, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what type of bear that is, a black bear maybe. And so now they're moving a little bit quicker. And the little kid is asking if they can play dead yet. But I want you to notice something that in order to stay that calm under, like I started, I started watching it and like my freaking, my palms started getting sweaty, just, just watching it. Right. And so you, you hear that the way that the, um, that the little kid responds and he's like, joking, he's like, do we play dead yet? But I think that his response and being aware of the situation is a hundred percent. The reason, the only reason why he's calm is because his parents are both staying super calm. Because they even tell them all throughout the clip a few times here. I'll let it run a little bit more and you guys could see it. Can we play dead now? Can we play dead? Griffin, walk faster, please. Totally hey, bear. Hey. Why? Hey. We're at the twig. It's not a time for you to think about it. <laughs> you know, dad's going to let out. He's like, not the time to ask questions. But at the same time, they can't run because oh, that it turns and runs. No intention of. Hey, bear! Hey! So three total kids, young kids. He wanted to see a bear. Okay, 
he's following you, babe. And the moral of the story is, is that they're in British Columbia, so they don't have a fucking gun, so they can't turn and blast that shit anyway. So if something went wrong, <laughs> you would be pretty much shit of a creek. But uh, the one thing I wanted to just point out, and the reason why that clip kind of stuck out to me was just the level of um, calmness with the parents. Like, shit could have really gone crazy there. But the fact that both the parents were able to, to remain so calm that the kids were even, like, the oldest one who could kind of tell what was going on was even, like, you know, do we play dead? What's going on? Like he wasn't freaking out because if any one of them would, if that kid would have ran or that bear would have charged, like he would have been on that family super quick. And here's the fucked up question. And this is what came to my mind when I saw it. And you guys are going to have to take a vote here on this, right? Okay. Bear charges the family. What do you do? It charges dad. Do you just grab the kids and let dad fight with the bear? Or do you stay there with the kids and try to fight the bear off dad? What happens in that situation? Or even worse, what if you're the guy and bear goes to attack mom and she tosses you the other kid because you got, you know, homeboy strapped to you like a backpack and then goes up. Do you as the guy there then now try to defend like the your wife with the bear? Because if you stay... And that bear attacks that and then goes on. It'll just maul those fucking kids in a second. Sean M, throw the kids out the bear and run. <laughs> Give up the youngest. You guys are freaking jacked. Young Clark, get your kids to safety. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, that would be tough though, right? Like, how do you make, how do you make that call? Survivor of the fittest. Not when it's your family, dude. Like, if it's me and you out there, Bruce, like, I'm shoving you to the ground. I'm out, boy. I just I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. The slowest person loses. Yeah. Bear spray? Yeah, you can get bear mace. And hope that it stops it. Do you think bear mace would do it? Would you be willing to bet that the bear mace is going to work on your family's life? Mm. Mm. wife is on the on her own grab the kids and go dad always has to sacrifice himself i mean that's what i thought right that was instantly what i went to it's like okay you back like mom gets the backpack on like you stay there and throw rocks you allow mom and the kids to get as much distance as they possibly can while you kind of still fend the bear off a little bit and just hope that they could they could make enough distance there to uh to, to get away i'm not sure Oh my goodness. Crazy. Crazy. The um one thing though, and I've already I said it a few times, was just how like how calm they were able to uh how calm they were able to stay. I mean, most people, most people get cut off on the freeway and do like a, a super big like freak out, right? Like so I wonder if uh if you're able to not do that all the time and and develop a little bit of space between what's happening to you and your response to it, you're cultivating against some sort of crazy situation like that that it might ever happen. You like how I just point over my shoulder as if like that clip is right back there. Okay, we got another one here. Um this is something that I think about in terms of do people really believe this shit? So you have a a room of grown ass men. We got like five guys here, <clears throat> and they're uh, they're sitting inside of 
a dojo here. The three of them are on the ground. The one that's the biggest out of all of them, apparently, is the uh, sensei here. And then we got this uh, dude who's standing, who I, I guess is going to attack him. And then he does this move. It's the two-finger insert and twist move. Now, I've seen that move before. It's made some people do some crazy things, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But not, uh, not quite like this. Okay. How does this happen? There's a room. Like, are these other guys that are watching this taking this fucking seriously at all? Is this like a spoof? Is it like a joke? Or is like, it's like, what happening? As long as they have 49 tickets, they will be fine, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't know. I see these type of things with like these uh, fake martial artist people. And I just, I mean, hopefully this is just a joke. But you've seen the ones that are like, that people are like real. And these guys are like going along with it. Like there's no way like he's just making himself fall down. But here's the thing. We fall for dumb shit all the fucking time. We always, we're all participating in that. I mean, we're participating in that same exact scenario when it comes to our money, right? I mean, if you think about it, money and the way we operate is just that fat dude pointing his finger and doing this. But yet here we are, Antifa self-defense training. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right, opening a uh, SF box in San Francisco. Fiori, Fiori Fitness this month. I'll keep the pod posted on the Chronicles of Opening Affiliate in the Apocalyptic City. <laughs> yeah, please do. Dude, as soon as you're open, shoot me a DM or shoot me a text or something and let me know because I'm. Uh, I'll definitely make the trip out to the city. Um, maybe if we get crazy, we could get Savon to come out there and we'll film some of the uh, stuff. We'll go take a little walk down Market Street and. Uh, and film some stuff that would be cool but i know for a fact if we're going to go make a trip out in san francisco then um i probably want to bring the boys and i don't know if we'll be doing any market street walking if we got them with us but that would be cool little san francisco trip okay this will be the last clip last clip okay so Half the stuff I see on the internet, I can't tell if it was like staged. Like, well, we, I'm going to assume that 50% of it is staged, right? Like 50% of the stuff we see on the internet is like completely, completely fake. Um, and I can't tell if this is one of them or not. Like if they're just making this to make it, to make it suspenseful, to get a point across. I, I do hate the fucking intense music too. Like that the same conspiracy music that plays over every one of those clips. Oh my goodness. Maybe reminder to over I, I think it might have a little bit of it. We'll find out. If it does, we can mute it and you guys could just see it. Okay, so watch here. Uh this woman, the floating, the floating torso here is going to uh describe the situation to us. If the music gets crazy, I'm gonna I'll mute it and then we'll always be super, super hyper aware whenever you are going in and out of your house and whenever you are getting in and Okay. So mom walking in from the car. She's coming up to the house. Um, it looks like it's relatively like secluded area, but I would point out if she did come out of that car over to the top here, then that means she would have visual of like all this. Out of your car, because these are both very vulnerable situations, especially if you have a child, 
this guy, you can see him, he's pulling down a mask. She's opening the door. You can see the baby is also watching. So paying. So what do you think? Do you think this was staged or do you think this dude's really creepy? attention to those kind of cues. Like what's my baby looking at? Luckily she locks the door just in time. Make sure you always lock your house door and your car door right when you get in. First thing you do, don't put down your keys, don't anything lock it immediately. Luckily she was able to do that before this guy got to her and being a mom is hard enough. It's very unfortunate that you have to also be aware of these things, but it's just the world we're living in. The last comment was kind of funny. Being being a uh, mom is hard enough. The last thing you need is some creep chasing you down and trying to run in the house. Well, of course, of course, of course, of course. But I'm going to end with this. Um, I think awareness, whether it's uh, flipping over the uh, label on what you're eating to becoming more aware of what's going in your body or whether it's more awareness as in you're looking around and paying attention to the stuff that's going on around you or just being um, uh, proactive in the sense of trying to anticipate what might happen, especially if you're in a, uh, in a new area. So cultivate some distance, cultivate some awareness, stay aware. I said this on one of the, uh, the last shows, but if you only had tomorrow what you were grateful for today, what would you be grateful for? And I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you for hanging out on the uh, first solo show. Thank you for everybody who calls in. I really appreciated uh, you guys being, yeah, that's right, Bruce, situation awareness. It, it'll, it's your first line of defense, and in most cases, your only line of defense. All right, guys, thank you so much for uh, hanging out. We did it just shy of an hour and 90 minutes. I appreciate you guys uh, doing it. I'll find the groove. We keep this going. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you guys hated it. We'll find out. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.